Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, we're quoting just the last section of that verse about the windows represented in the scripture applied to your life and my life. Opening the windows of God. Malachi 3 and verse 10. If you have a Bible, I hope you mark this verse. If not, you can follow with me, but it's an important verse for us right now as we delve into the scriptures. Malachi 3.10. See, if I will not throw open. Everyone say throw open. The floodgates of heaven pour out. Everyone say pour out. So much blessing. The word blessing there has the idea of spirit, soul, and body. Resources that heaven has that I need to bring into my life for every part of my life. Proud of blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Open up windows of heaven itself and pour out a blessing beyond your wildest dreams. The heaven treasures I'm talking about fall into five categories that I'm dealing with. The provisions of God. The presence of God. The providence of God, the preview of God, and the promotion of God. Those five areas that I've titled take in a lot of the window scriptures and concepts throughout the Bible. How God will open up the provision, how God will open up His presence, and with presence comes change and transformation in our lives. How God will open up that window of providence that we will have faith for everything to work together. The preview of God as God begins to show us what's in front of us and prepares us for what we're moving into and the advancement of God, that promotion piece that we'll be talking about. Heaven's treasures. Let's talk about the first one and close off the second part of this message as I began last week in the provisions of God. This is how I define the provisions of God. It's very simple. The provisions of God simply are those provisions that you need to rise to every challenge in your life, to provide you with everything necessary to meet your life's challenges. Now, you don't know what's in front of you, nor do I. But by the will of God and the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the prayer life and coming to church and connecting to people and having friends and core group and small group and community and knowing that you can have people that will strengthen you and walk with you and help you, you can face just about anything that comes with life. You throw Jesus into that mix and you can face anything that might come into your world, into your life. God wants to provide for you to do the will of God. What I'm talking about this morning is equipping people with a knowledge and an understanding of the will of God in such a way that your purpose-driven life is so provided for that you have a target to hit and you move toward that purpose. This morning we're talking about provisions, which brings in the word prosperity and abundance and miracles and supernatural supply. All of those things have to flow into the purpose of God for your life. Prosperity with a purpose. Abundance with a purpose. Success with a purpose. If you take those things in a secular person or a person that's without Christ, a person that has no purpose to live, a purpose that doesn't understand at least the kingdom of God, if you have the success and the abundance and the miracles falling on that person's life, they can take those things and they can inherit those things and they can live those things, but there might be a lack of satisfaction. 
There might be a selfishness where they won't share. There might be a whole perverted perspective on why wealth or prosperity or abundance has even come to them. So they start thinking that they have brought it themselves. And that's what Deuteronomy 8 chapter, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8 talks about is when Israel was so blessed and they entered into the land and they inherited houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, all kinds of prosperity and abundance they never had for 430 years in Egypt. And their heart began to uh, sing out a song that the Lord heard in the heart of the people. And this was the song. We have gotten this by our own power. We have accomplished this by our own strength. And God comes down and says, you were a stiff-necked people. You had nothing. I have given you the power to gain. I have supplied for you the vineyards, the cities, and the homes. I have given you everything you have. Without me, you would have had none of this. So do not get some kind of a pride in your heart that you think by your power or your own intelligence all these things are coming together. There has to be a humility and a recognition that God is at work in my world. God is my source. God has provided for me. And with that provision comes a responsibility to be a steward, to be a person who knows how to bless the house of God, how to bless the widow and the orphan, how to bless the nations of the world, how to use your resource to reach out to other people and not just eat all your seed yourself or as the parable goes, as Jesus talks about the rich man who had all this resource and all this abundance. And what he did is he started building bigger barns and bigger barns and bigger barns. And then comes the night where his soul would cross over from this earth into eternity And Jesus is telling the parable about this rich man and saying, why'd you build all the barns? Well, because I have so much stuff, I just kept building more barns. I have it protected and I have those barns locked up. And Jesus says, bigger barns, bigger barns, bigger barns. You fool. You never enjoyed what I put in your life and you never floated to other people. And tonight your life is over. All the barns you have filled will mean nothing for you as you go into eternity. We have to be very careful in our lifetime that we use what God gives us for His purposes and not ours. All right, let's pray this prayer out loud. Here you go. It's on the screen. Let's pray it together. Lord, I believe you have promised to open the floodgates of heaven's treasures into my life. And by faith, I throw open the windows of heaven over my life pour out the unhindered and unlimited treasures that have been kept in store. Now, we know God will do this as we follow through Scripture. God wants to provide for you. There's no doubt about it. With that provision comes responsibility. With that provision comes another level of stewardship. Every level of provision has a level of responsibility. Every level of gifting has a level of stewardship. Every level of miracle has a level of grace that comes with it. And if you know how to handle the blessings of the Lord and the things that He brings into your life, then He opens more to flow through you. But if you mishandle it, if you become prideful, if you you don't know how to be a good steward, you can kind of twist up the flow that God has for your life, and then you miss the purpose why He created you. It was not just for the things that come in, it's for the fulfillment of the purpose He has for your life. God has promised to provide for you. Let's go through a few of the Scriptures just to build your faith again. God provided for Abraham. We went through that. In a time of testing, God brought the Jehovah Jireh into Abraham's life. Jehovah, I will be all that you need as the occasion arises. Every time the need comes, I'm big enough to meet the need. 
Jira, I can see ahead of time, prepare everything. And Abraham learned that. Second is Isaac in a time of famine where he had no resource to draw on in the land because there was famine. But God came in and created a miracle in the midst of the famine to provide for Isaac something he couldn't provide for himself. Third was Joseph by divine placement. Joseph was a man that was put into a place. Of course, the placement had a very big price tag for Joseph. He's the one who paid the price for it. He's the one who went into the pit. He's the one who went into the prison. He's the one who suffered loneliness. He's the one who suffered rejection. He's the one who was stripped of all his own ambitions. He's, he's the guy who had to get a hold of God by himself. Now, everybody would love to be a Joseph where you have all these storehouses to open up and you're the prime minister and you have all the, the, the garb and the clothing and the rings and, and the authority and the respect of all the people. Everybody would like to get to the place where you have abundance and you have all this great supply of God, but we don't sometimes like the process to get us there. And sometimes that process, we wouldn't say, well, I would love to be broken like that man. I would love to go through the trials of that person. I would love to go through the pressures they've been through. You, you usually don't see what happens to a person as they're brought to a divine placement, where they're brought to a place where God can trust them, where God can flow through them, where God can provide for them and beyond them. Actually, with Joseph, it was I will provide for your family, just as I will provide for my own family, and I will provide for the nation. He opened the storehouses for the whole world. What a magnificent ministry this man had. But it came with a price tag. There had to come a brokenness, a trust, an integrity. God knew he could trust Joseph because when no one else would have ever, ever, ever known, ever known that he would cross the moral line, he wouldn't cross it. When he had every... Uh, emotional right to cash in and say, well, what's the good of keeping myself anyway? Where's God in this whole thing? My, my dad doesn't even know I'm alive. My brothers have sold me to Egypt and, and they have lied about me. Now everyone else has taken advantage of me and here's Potiphar's wife and at least she's friendly and, and who cares what happens to life now? And just cross the moral line. He wouldn't even do it. Even though everything in life had gone wrong and he had right to cash in on I'm just to sin this way because... Everything has gone wrong. He wouldn't do it. And God says, now that's a man I can trust. There is a person that if I give them abundance, I know they won't cross the line. I know they'll stand for integrity. I know they have it in their spirit to trust me and walk with me. Joseph proved his trust in solitary before it was ever proven in public. He proved his principles in the furnace and the fiery trial before there ever came the storehouses into his life. How are you doing with the fiery trial? How are you doing with the furnace? How are you doing with the pits and the rejections? And how are you doing with those things where you can kind of sneak away and, and get around certain principles? But God sees that and he knows he can't trust you with maybe what he wants to trust you with because you violate little things in the darkness of your own privacy. You have to have light in privacy in order to have authority in public. You have to have that kind of purity by yourself in order to have authority with other people. You have to handle your pennies before God will give you the dollars. You have to handle the dollars before God will give you the hundreds or the thousands. There's a reason many people have certain kinds of abundance that come into their life. Sometimes in the world with an unsaved person, like Proverbs says, we don't understand that. But in the kingdom of God, there is a process for God to supply for people. God provided for Israel when no one else could. It says in the Bible, they lack nothing. Well, miracle bread, miracle water. No one else can do that. 
when you finally understand that God is your source, Israel had to come to the place where they had nothing they could do but trust. And when God got them into that particular arena, they responded with sometimes murmuring. Thirteen times they murmured big time. And they were people just like you and I that in a time of testing, what came out of their heart and their mouth wasn't always good. But God would lead the leadership and teach the leadership and bring the people to humility where they would crown Jehovah as their God and He would be their source. And He supplied for them when no one else could. The widow, in a time of scarcity, David, in a time of discouragement, where Barzillai comes on the scene, a rich man who would supply for him what no one else could do. Elijah, in a supernatural way, where the ravens came. And it's a funny little scripture, but it's in your Bible. It said, the ravens, whom God subdued their nature, brought him, Elijah, in the wilderness, bread and meat, morning and evening. It would be pretty cool just to wake up in the morning and have the birds fly in with your meal. You can't pick up the phone and say, hey, I heard you guys have a raven service and I would just like to order in some food and I think the raven service is pretty cool. It was a total supernatural thing where God subdued this this unclean bird. The raven was not a hawk. It was not an eagle. It's a raven. The raven was an unclean bird. And God says, I'll subdue that particular vessel and instrument for my purposes and I will bring into your life the bread and the meat you need every morning and every evening. Sometimes God uses unclean vessels. Sometimes God uses the strangest people. Sometimes God uses the strangest flow to bring resource or prayers answered into our life because God can subdue the raven's nature. How many of you have ever had a raven supply for you, symbolically a raven, a surprised person that wasn't someone you expected to supply for you and someone you wouldn't even want to supply for you. We all have some ravens that can come into our lives. All right, and God provided for Solomon abundance. We talked about that a little bit, about David stored up for him. Now, I want to just read some scriptures to you. God provides for the believer. Everyone say out loud, God will provide for me. Okay, here's a few scriptures for you to take down and just meditate on. Psalms 23, verse 1. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack. Psalms 84, verse 11. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 65, 11. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths. That's why we need to have purpose-driven lives. Drip with abundance. Psalms 115 and verse 14. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. Job 36 and verse 11, a great verse. If they obey, everyone say if. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. But there's an if. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9 says that there's a way for Christ to release wealth and riches into our life. Philippians 4.19, God will supply your need, you know it, according to his riches, so there's a way for God to release into my life. And 3 John and verse 2, it says that I should prosper, but it's, it says specifically, as my soul prospers, so should my life prosper. There's, there's always that core ingredient 
of obedience and character and integrity and walking in the ways of God and having that kind of a heart that knows the principles of God. There's that peace that has to be in place. All right, let's open a couple windows this morning. First of all, let's talk about the windows of abundance. All right? The windows of abundance are open to the believer. Now, the word abundance and some of these great words in the Bible are good to study. Let me just give you a simple definition. Abundance is ample and plentiful. Overflowing supply. Now remember, we're talking about opening the floodgates of heaven and heaven's resources is all that God is, all that God has. The name on my box is the will of God for me, my purpose-driven life. As God opens the windows for me to fulfill that purpose-driven life, there's all this stuff behind the windows that I want to flow into my life. I have a window to open. One of those windows that I see in Scripture is the window of abundance where God has an overflowing supply that is more than adequate with enough to spare. What is prosperity? Prosperity is simply having your needs met and having a margin in your life. A margin that you can use as the Holy Spirit directs. Prosperity is not just the big numbers, well, he's prosperous because he has millions or he's prosperous because he has thousands. Prosperity is when your soul prospers and you have resource in your life, you have emotional margins where you can give out emotionally. You have enough for yourself, emotional health, and you have enough to give out. There are times when my emotional reservoir runs low. My virtue for people. I have to get away from people because my ministry is people, my life is people. And there are some very draining experiences in life when you minister to people. There's disappointment. There's, there's a demand on that virtue in your life. And, and you can have a reservoir run dry on you where you have no margin. To meet anyone else's need. You can isolate. You can turn life off. Turn the phone off. Not let people get to you. Because you have no margin. You're not prospering in your soul. Your soul doesn't have enough left over at the end of the day. To pick up the phone and call a friend. Pick up the phone and pray with someone. Write a letter. Write a card. Go to the next door neighbor's house. Go to a small group and pray for people. You just don't have anything left. You're running close to empty. That's not the way the Lord wants. He wants you to have margin in your emotions. He wants you to have margin in your mind where your mind is not so bogged down with everything around you. You never have a chance to have a God thought or give anybody a God thought. You have no margin. In your marriage, it's the same thing. And we could start going through every area of your life. Prosperity is when I make margins in my life enough to flow out and bless and minister to other people. One of those margins is resource. Now, Jesus says, where a man's treasure is, there is his heart. Timothy says, a leader is known by the way he handles his finance. Throughout the scriptures, it's very clear that wherever your finances are, there are your principles, there are your priorities, there are your values. You cannot separate my life from the way I spend my money from my principles, my priorities, and my values. We all have resource flow into our life, but we have different priorities that we put on those resources. We have different value systems 
we live by. Like the grandmother in Mississippi who was in the turn of the century, a woman who was just doing uh, menial ironing for people who could afford to hire her and she would just iron clothes. She had no profession. She had no real, had no degrees or of any sort. She was a hardworking woman who started ironing clothes. She got all these accounts and she would iron clothes for people, but nobody knew that this woman was taking 50% of all of her 10 cents and 50 cents and dollar 50 and $2 and putting them into a little bag. For 51 years, she did that. When she was in her 70s, she went to a university to meet with the president. He had no idea why she came. And she came as this unresourceful person, so to speak. She had no inheritance. She had no wealth. She had no riches. He would meet with people that would leave endowments and leave all kinds of money. And here's this widow woman who he knew was a person who did what she did. And yet she brought into the university $56,000 in cash that she had saved over those years to start an endowment for black students in that university. To this day, that endowment now has grown to millions. What did she do? She created margin with what she had. She created a value system when she had little and left a name and a legacy, a heritage for people because she understood value. She understood priorities. Your money represents the use of it, your values, your priorities, your principles, your passions, what you do at that point. Okay, God wants to supply. God wants to open up ample in your life, but he also wants you to have the ability to have margin to give. Can I hear an amen? Some more scripture for you. Joshua 1 and verse 8. These are abundant scriptures. For then you will make your way prosperous. It's clear in the scripture. It's available to me. And you, the Bible personalizes this really well. And you will have good success if you walk in the ways of principal priorities and values. Psalms 1 and verse 3. You'll be planted by the river, and whatever you do will prosper. What a great scripture. Psalm 67, verse 6 and 7. The increase of God, and it, and it says in this scripture, your own God shall bless you. And it says it again, shall bless you. Psalms 112, verse 3. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Whose house? A righteous man. A man who has some value, priority, and principles in place has wealth and riches in relationships and emotions and a prosperous soul in the children and the children's children and relationship with his grandchildren. His life is so wealthy and so full because he's ordered his life a certain way. Proverbs 21 and verse 5 says, The diligent will have plenty. It also says, The lazy man will not. 
You've got to create margin for work. Psalm 36, verse 8 says, You'll be abundantly satisfied with the fullness that's in his house. Psalm 65, 11 says, There's a crown of goodness to put on your life. And Psalm 66 and verse 12 says, There's rich fulfillment for those who walk through the fire and have the attitude of a righteous man. The windows, number two, of supernatural provision. How many of you with me this morning would say, I'm open for the windows of abundance? How many would say also that you understand the little spill I just gave on margins? How many of you would also say with me, if you don't mind me just exercising you and you know, lifting your hand and talking, which is my style, how many of you would say, I might need some help creating some more margins? Then ask the Lord to help you. It's, it's not rocket science here, people. It's not something out of your reach. It's not something just for a few people. It's, it's for the people of God. It's for those who know Christ. It's for those who know the word. It's for those who are willing to put their life in order. For those who have a value system outside of themselves. Things will begin to open up for you. The windows of supernatural provision, when you come to the end of yourself as far as what you can provide, there is a supernatural realm. Thank God for that realm. Supernatural is simply this, proceeding from an order of existence beyond the visible. I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't touch it. I can't smell it, but I know what's there. There's supernatural provision, like God doing the water out of the rock and manna from heaven and the ravens feeding. That was a supernatural thing. It's not natural, but it's beyond that natural realm that God can bring some things into play for your life that are miraculous, superior, and beyond natural explanation. I would hate for anyone that's listening to my voice right now. Live your whole life. And never be able to say to anyone else, I've had some supernatural experiences in my lifetime. What do you mean? I've had some provisions that are beyond natural explanation. I've had some things happen that are so superior to what any man could do for me, I just need to tell you about it. You can talk about that divine placement or that open heaven or that, that secret part that God has played in your life, that thing that you could never have done for yourself, that God moves in and puts the pieces together, and puts the deal together for your life, and it moves ahead because God is involved with it. A supernatural thing begins to happen. Miracle windows need to open in my life. An action or a mighty deed that manifests great power, not my power, Divine intervention. I can't intervene for myself. Divine intervention in human affairs, which causes people to step back and say, wow, that's, that's amazing. How, how did you get that job? Well, I don't really know exactly, but I think God intervened for me. How did you get that spouse? He's so good looking. What did you do? I don't know. It just... I think God just blinded his eyes or, uh, you know, I don't see myself as a match for him, but God must have. And this guy just loved me. I mean, he just makes me breakfast in the morning, calls me every day and, and buys me things. And, and, you know, just takes care of my every need. He's beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, I just, I don't deserve a guy like this, but God just kind of intervened. How many would say, I'm open for that. And same with the guy to the girl, the girl to the guy, and relationships and jobs and business and investments and, and things where God has to 
intervene for us. Just a little thing. Little things for me excite me. Where I know that I didn't ask, I didn't do, but God just puts it together. We got a new sign for 217 campus because today the service starts at 11. And the sign company just said, you know what? Um, we're going to do that for free. Two, three, four thousand dollars. Someone else could just say, well, they just love your business. But I would like to see that as God behind the scenes just intervenes with little things and says, I'm going to throw you a freebie, Frank. Are you ready? Yeah. And I'm quick to say, thank you, Jesus. Instead of just saying, hey, well, the sign people, you know. I, no, it's not the sign people. It's God saying, I got some things for you. We, we need the building painted over at Vancouver. It's a $40,000 bill. We, we don't have it to move in. We're just trying to tie the last few pieces together with this 350000 And so one of the painters goes, looks at the building, comes back. We talk. He says, uh, by the way, he said, that's about a $40,000 paint deal. You know that. I said, I, I know that. But I need it painted. What do you think we should do? He says, well, I'll tell you what we should do. He says, I'll take my company and I'll paint it for you. Just buy me the paint. I said, how much will that cost? He says, oh, seven, $8,000. So in one conversation, I say 33000 I say, thank you, Jesus. Come on. It's the little, the little pieces that excite you. It's not always the huge, but it's the little things knowing that God kind of goes before you and God does this. And, and someone last night at the cafe in the Saturday night service, they came up to me and they said, you know what happened to me tonight? I said, what's that? Somebody paid for our pizza and our coffee and had it waiting for us when my family went up to get it. He said, it was just one of those little things that made our day. Well, God likes to make our day. There's little things he works on that become part of life. His miracle intervention windows. Supernatural declaration. Okay, read this with me. Are you ready? Everyone together? I will believe and reach out for supernatural provision by moving my heart out of the natural mind limitation into the reality of faith. Last window, the window of opportunity. Are open to the believer. The opportunity I'm talking about here is one side of the window. It's the opportunity that comes for you to be involved with giving. Giving of your life, giving of your time, giving of your resource opportunities open up. With every window of opportunity, there's a level of grace that goes with the season that it's open. I hope you got that. With every window that opens, there's a grace that comes for that season. And we know in the world, we talk about windows of opportunity all the time as people step through them and in, the, in every area of life. But I'm talking now here, not only just in every area of life, but in the divine areas of life when God opens windows for us to give our life, ourself, our time, our ministries. He opens one and says, will you step through that? Well, I'm too tired. And the window closes and someone else gets the grace and goes on. 
Would you like to step up and, no, you know, I've just, uh, my life doesn't really have that priority right now. And how's this? And that window closes and something else, which is what life is all about when it comes to giving. There's a time and a season when a church moves into a opportunity of giving. And there's a grace that goes on the giver. There's a grace that comes on the church. And this is what you need to understand. There's a grace that comes on the people of God when there's a vision like we're going after just with the Vancouver thing right now, but there's other things we do with missions and sending out. We have a church plant coming up to New York here in June. We have a Uganda missionary send out coming up here in a few weeks. We have places where you can get involved with giving to the orphanage village or to the humanitarian thing or to the Vancouver campus or to the church plant in New York. Or, I mean, we have abundant things that you can be involved with all the time. When the window opens, with the window of opportunity comes the responsibility of God to provide for the window. And if you step into the window, then God opens up provision in your life and a grace comes to do something to move into the window that you would not normally have if you don't step into the window. And so there's a synergy that takes place. As you step into the window, things begin to happen. God provides. Grace comes. Can I hear an amen? Now, let me give you the last couple of scriptures here. When you step into the windows of opportunity, and the windows of giving, open. Everyone shout open. I'm talking specifically now, as I close the message, about giving. About your financial involvement with liberality and giving. Just for a minute. When the windows of giving are open, we open our windows and we pour out of our treasure a blessing. For who? For the house of God and the vision God has given us. There's something special about a church that understands grace to build a house that lasts longer than them. A generational house. It's a noble soul who plants the seed to grow a tree that will produce shade and fruit for someone they will never meet and never know. A tree that they planted that will be an advantage for someone they don't even know even in their whole lifetime because they're a noble soul that plants seed for the future. Our congregation, 55 years old, is planting seed for the future all the time. I understand the temporariness of myself. I understand that there will be pastors that will come after me to pastor you. Where my time will come, like Brother Dick did, to pass the baton and to move the church forward. Hopefully they'll still let me be involved somewhere, vacuum the floor, run the sound system. That would be fun. I could run the sound system. Ooh, God, that might be not so good. But I want to be involved. I don't want to leave the house. I want, I want to grow old and, and die with the rest of the old people around here. I want to be involved with the house. Why? Because the house is worth building. The house is worth my time and my priorities. And I can sow some seed. Now, here's a scripture for you as we end this morning. My windows are open, and I want you all to say out loud, Why? Come on, say it again. Okay, Frank, your windows are open. Everyone say, 
And my window should be open. Everyone say, here's the answer to that question. First Chronicles chapter 29. David said, Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might. I have prepared with all my might. Moreover, and this is his answer, I have, and this is what David says, the why is this, I have set my affection on the house of God. This is in your Bible. I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for my own house, my own holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. I have given out of my own house for God's house. And then he says, O Lord, our God, all this abundance, everyone shout abundance, that we have prepared to build you a house has come from your hand anyway. Now there's a man who understands abundance. Why do I give? Because my affections are on the house. I love the house. I love the house of God. I love the church. I love the purpose of the church. I love what it does for people. I love City Bible Church. We have our our pimples and wrinkles and flaws. I still love City Bible Church because it's the house that God has built. Therefore, I will put my affection and my resource into this house. Can I hear an amen?